The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm here today with my special guest, Cheryl Zauderer. Cheryl, welcome to the show. Hi, Marie. Thank you so much. If you are not familiar with Cheryl Zauderer, she is the author of Maternity Leave, A New Mother's Guide to the First Six Months Postpartum. And I should tell you that she is entirely credible. She is a certified nurse midwife. She also holds a PhD. She's an NPP and an IBCLC. So trust me, in addition to all of those fancy initials, the woman has plenty of regular experience with mothers just like you. I think that you'll find that she's very in tune to what real mothers really go through and uh, I, she was good enough to ship me a copy of her book. I will not say that I've read it all, but I will tell you that I've read a good, good chunk of it. And, uh, wow, there's just a lot of really great information here that I think is, is very helpful because, you know, somehow people think that they're going to have a baby and the next day everything is just going to go back to normal. I don't know how many pe- patients have asked me, when I was in the hospital, Marie, when is life going to go back to normal? And I say to them as sweetly as I can, never. It will <laughs> never be normal. But there will be a new normal. And right, I think that exactly. Cheryl really talks really nicely about achieving this new normal. So, Cheryl, tell us a little bit about what actually inspired you to write this book. Um, well, if, having been in the... Um maternity field for so many years and um, being uh, up to date on all the new books that are coming out, I started to notice that there was a bit of a gap. There were a lot of books on pregnancy, a lot of books on the baby, uh, a lot of books on uh, breastfeeding and baby feeding. And there were really no books that, that geared toward the new mother for the first six to eight weeks. There was usually a little chapter on postpartum at the end of the pregnancy book. And I felt working in the field and um, having my own practice, I see um, I'm also a psychiatric nurse practitioner, and I specialize in perinatal mood disorders. And I see women who are coming in, you know, six to eight weeks postpartum. And I wanted a book that's going to gear toward that time period. And there is just so much information for new mothers on just that time period. And the whole book is just about the first six to eight weeks postpartum. 
That was one of the first things I noticed was that you had taken on this very specific time frame. And, you know, in my experience, there's a whole lot of like hype around having the baby and now the baby is here. And then there's kind of like this big letdown of, oops, you know, very anticlimactic when, in fact, that should be a time that the mother kind of, you know, really settles into her new role. Would, would you agree? Yes, exactly. And it's also a time where the attention is now taken away from the new mom. Yes. The new mom uh, receives a lot of attention from loved ones during her pregnancy, always checking in on how she's feeling and how she's doing. And um, and then all of a sudden the baby comes along and a lot of the attention is is uh, derived to, uh, towards the baby mm-hmm. and forgetting about the new mom and her healing and her needing to talk about how she feels and how she's experiencing the birth and being a new mom. Um, Cheryl, tell us a little bit about how she is feeling, and I don't mean necessarily those that have a psychiatric disorder or anything. I mean, just tell us some of the the feelings that you have noticed that maybe people don't verbalize or that they'd like to verbalize but don't have an opportunity to, maybe even feelings that they feel like they're the only ones that have ever felt that way, but you've heard it a gazillion times. Could you speak to that? Yes, and I even have a full chapter on what I call uh, momnesia and yes. uh, on the post-baby brain, and it's all about how mommy brain, pregnancy brain is some women say they don't feel as sharp as they did prior to their pregnancy. And um, it's actually been documented in studies that it's, it's some t- a new type of amnesia that a new mother will experience after birth. She doesn't feel as with it as she used to feel. She walks into a room and forgets what she went in there for. She feels as though she's in a mental fog. And um, this is just um, emotionally what she's feeling, not even physically. But this comes from a lot of uh, her body and her brain has gone through a number of adjustments. She's just been through a um, sort of traumatic experience as all births, as wonderful as they are, they can be somewhat traumatic. And it's uh, a lot of changes hormonally, lack of sleep, and adjusting to their new baby and having their emotions adjust. And it really takes on, um, it takes on a whole new, the moms take on a whole new role during this time. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, very often I will see that mothers think that they're supposed to just be instantly happy and instantly in love with their babies. I guess maybe my question is, haven't you seen people that they're not instantly happy? They're not instantly in love with their babies. How would you respond to that? A lot of women do feel that they don't connect immediately. Um, Sometimes this can be an early sign of a perinatal mood disorder or postpartum mood disorder, but many times it's just that they have to get to know each other. They have to get to know their babies. A lot of babies um, look different when they're first born, within the, the first few hours of birth, and then they change over the first few days. So as they start to change, they'll say, oh, he or she looks like me. No, he or she looks like the father, and the baby's appearance actually does change over time. Yes, you know, it seems to me that even in relationships that we have with other people, we didn't necessarily fall for them right away. And 
so usually I try to tell mothers something to the effect of, you know, sometimes you've just got to like ease into it and, and that's okay. I do agree with you that sometimes it can be a sign of a mood disorder, but sometimes it's just the mom is just really whipped, you know, <laughs> she's exactly. and done in from it all. Time. Right. It does take time. It takes time to get used to who they are as a mother and who they are as a family and, um, you know, they don't necessarily fall in love with their newborns immediately. And you do not see that as pathologic? No, no. No. Okay, good, because I don't die. there are plenty of things. <clears throat> no, and, and like I said, occasionally it can be, but for the most part it does. There are plenty of things that they can do to bond. They can um, do skin-to-skin contact, which is um, placing the naked baby except for a diaper uh, against the mother's chest, bare chest, and covering them up and just snuggling together for a little while. And that uh, promotes bonding and helps with breastfeeding and um, helps with the oxytocin release, which oxytocin is a love hormone. So there are many, many things that they can do to, um, to form this bond with their babies. Cheryl, one of the things that I notice is sleep deprivation sometimes in the hospital, but sometimes after the hospital. Uh, can you address sleep deprivation and either some good tips on how to avoid the sleep deprivation or uh, anything else that, that you think figures into it? The, the key to sleeping is to sleep whenever they can, as much as they can, wherever they can. And uh, newborns can really uh, drain a new mom's energy and they don't necessarily um, even when they do sleep, they don't necessarily sleep soundly. Newborns will toss and turn and grunt and make noises. And a lot of times, you know, mothers are not used to it. They're used to quiet. Um, they're not used to this. And plus babies wake up every few hours for feedings. The best thing that they can do is just sleep whenever the babies sleep and get their bodies used to napping and trying to um sleep during those times and not run around and try to clean the house and try to do straighten up <laughs> and try to yep. catch up on things while the baby is sleeping. But to really, and even if they can't sleep, some women are just not nappers just to rest, relax, rest their brain, rest their bodies when the baby is sleeping. I would love to hear your take on visitors in the hospital. I feel like, to some extent, far be it from me to tell a woman that she can't have a visitor. But one of the things that I notice is that sometimes there are just people trooping in and out and in and out and in and out, and the woman really doesn't get any chance to sleep in the hospital. And I'm sure it's got to be the same at home. Can you address that? Well, nowadays with rooming in, there is... um there are a lot of, um, it, it depends on really the, the facility in the hospital and um, some visiting hours are limited, but some are, uh, are not and people are able to visit whenever they can. And it, the hospital stay is so short that personally, I don't think it's going to have a negative impact on the mom, but if the mom is tired and wants to rest, she can certainly tell visitors to, to limit or to come visit after she goes home with the new baby. Um, but even when she goes home, she should try and set limits on that. Some yeah. women will hang a note on the door and say mother and baby napping, or she'll put out a notice to please uh, call before you come by, um, especially for neighbors or close family and friends that they should really, 
you know, call or, you know, let the mother know in case she's sleeping or resting. But people should really be uh, cognizant of that and let the new moms rest the first few weeks. I think it's so important that sometimes mothers feel like they have to accommodate the visitors. And I think that it's really important for them to understand that they need to begin their mothering. They need to put their baby first. And sometimes that does mean, as you said, setting some limits or asking people to call before they drop by. I can think of one woman. um, She actually was a nurse. She told me, oh, yes, when people come to my door, I come to my door with my pajamas on because people associate that with I'm resting. And then they say, oh, oh, I see you have your pajamas on. You must be resting. Oh, well, I won't. I won't stay. I just was going to drop off this casserole or whatever. And she said that that was a lot. Yeah, I recommend that new moms for the first few weeks to stay in their pajamas and robe, come to the door like that, because that's a sign that's saying, I'm recuperating, I'm resting, I'm not myself yet. And another good um, thing is to ask people to bring things. You know, if Mm -hmm. someone says that they want to come up, not everyone knows what to do, especially if they have friends that don't have children or have not given birth. They really don't know what to do to help the new mom. So not to be ashamed to ask for it. You can certainly say, yes, come by, but would you mind stopping at the store and bringing some fruit (laughs) or, you know, bring me a cup of coffee from Starbucks or something like that. So there's plenty that they can do. And when people are over and they come to visit, you can ask them, "Can can you just carry up this load of laundry for me? Would you mind folding or, you know, if it's a close friend or family member, would you mind folding a load of laundry for me or helping me make dinner or something like that? But not to be afraid to ask for help. Um, and that, those that's simple tasks. Thing I stress. Yeah, yes. Yes, to, me too. Simple yeah. tasks, ask for help. Uh, absolutely. Well, speaking of help, help is also available on a more system level. I'd like to ask all of our readers to check out Mama Va. The Mama Va Lactation Suite is a modular suite offering nursing mothers a safe, clean, and beautifully designed space to pump and or nurse when they're away from home. For details, check out MamaVa.com. That's M-A-M-A-V-A.com. Don't go away. I'll be right back with Cheryl and we will talk to you more about those first six weeks postpartum. Don't go away. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuso? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. 
Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with Cheryl Zauderer. And Cheryl is the author of the book, Maternity Leave, A New Mother's Guide to the First Six Weeks Postpartum. Cheryl, before we went to break, you were talking with us about helping people to help the mother, or or I I guess maybe giving the mother some sound bites. While you're going upstairs, could you take this up for me? As long as you're standing there, could you uh, fold a load of clothes for me? But also, I noticed that in your book, you had a substantial piece uh, just dedicated to what you called, I think you said, building your own village. So can you talk a little bit about how we used to have a good support system and now we kind of have to like build our own support system. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, back in the day, uh, women had babies. There was a whole village to help them. They would either um, li- be living with or staying with their mother, mother-in-law. So there was always a mother or mother-in-law and a grandmother and siblings and relatives to help out with the baby. Um, these days I find that women are very isolated I get a lot of um, women who are living in the city, working in the city, and move out to the suburbs when they have a baby for more space, but then they're isolated. They're isolated from friends. Um, a lot of uh, new mothers, mothers, a lot of the grandmothers are still working in this yes. day and age, yes. and there really is very little support for the new mom. Um, back in the day, again, women all had babies around the same time. You know, when they were, you know, early 20s, they all were having babies. And now the age is, um, there's a, you know, a huge gap in the age that uh, women are having their first baby. So it can be very isolating. So I talk about in the book, building your village, 
which is basically um, building your own support system, your support network. You can, um, your village can be your postpartum nurses, your uh, healthcare provider, people that you can contact if you have any questions. Um, these days, again, you are never alone with the internet. There's plenty of support on the internet. There are Facebook pages and lots and lots of mommy bloggers and all different kinds of uh, networks that you can get into. Uh, once the baby is old enough, weather permitting, you can start to go out, maybe go to a park, join a reading group or a library group or something like that. Uh, once the baby is older, you can even join some sort of mommy and me class or Jimboree type class. Um, they also have um, Fit for Moms. It used to be stroller strides where you all meet. You get a lot of exercise. You uh, wheel the babies in the stroller and then do a lot of um songs and um, exercises that you can do with the baby. And so it's very important to not just sit at home and uh, be by yourself, but to actually build a network around you. Cheryl, as I hear you talking, one of the things that strikes me is you're really helping the mother to be not isolated. Uh, Is there any relationship that you know of between isolation and the development of a postpartum depression? Well, it can contribute to it. I wouldn't say isolation alone would um, would cause a postpartum depression or a postpartum mood disorder, but uh-huh. it can certainly add to it if you are already going through hormonal changes and have had some trauma either during the pregnancy or the birth. It can be one of the contributing factors, but it can lead to loneliness and isolation regardless of whether it's a mood disorder or not. And uh, a lot of new mothers will get very frustrated in the beginning and say, well, I want to go back to work earlier just so they can be with people. But that's not really the answer. Um, They really do need to be home and learn their babies and have their babies learn them and bond and take care of themselves and not be in such a hurry to get back to work. But there are other ways for them to build their social, social community. Community, yes. Oh, for sure. So, Cheryl, you spent, I think, one entire chapter on what you called mommy-nesia. Tell us what that term means. You alluded to it a little bit when we opened the show, but can you really unpack this for us? Uh, Yes. Well, um, there are a tremendous amount of adjustments, both hormonally and um, physically and emotionally. Socially, that happened, but... um, Having a new baby, especially if it's your first baby, really does transform the way you think and feel about a lot of things. You've become a mom overnight, basically, and your natural instincts are to protect your baby. And you will sort of mute everything else out, Um, all other external things that were once important to you now are sort of on mute because your focus is on your baby. I love and, that word, mute. Um, yeah, and, and it's, it's a very personal journey. It took a long time to have the baby. And um, there's also what's called the love hormone, which is uh, oxytocin. And that's produced by a part of the brain that creates the hormones called the hypothalamus. And it's released by the posterior pituitary, which is part of the brain that stores and releases these hormones into your circulation. And this hormone has been studied a lot, and it plays a tremendous role in the postpartum period. 
It is also enhanced with breastfeeding or, um, you know, that lactate, that uh, letdown reflex that happens when the milk comes in. And um, it sort of gives the mom a calming effect and helps the newborn. The newborn will react to the new mom's feelings. So if the mom is tense, the newborn will be tense. If the mom is relaxed, the baby will be relaxed. And um, so it's, it's not really a, you know, a lot of mothers complain that they feel forgetful, but it's more that their focus is just different. Yeah, and I'm hearing you use the word mute, and I'm thinking this is a way of filtering out the stuff that doesn't have to do with the baby. Would that be exactly. true? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Now, you mentioned oxytocin, but can you talk to us about some other hormonal effects? I know, for instance, that mothers frequently get a little unglued when their hair starts coming out. It can come on yes. their hairbrush or their hands or whatever. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yes, the hair loss is um, quite traumatic for a new mom, especially since she spent nine months growing all this thick, beautiful hair because of the hormones of pregnancy. And what happens is, and this, usually you won't see this until... Um, anywhere from two to four months, but the hair will start coming out. And it is a, it, a little bit more than what they gain during the pregnancy will come out, and their hair will seem um, a little thinner, plus they'll be seeing clumps of it come out in the shower, the hairbrush, and this could be very, very upsetting for the new mom. Um, breastfeeding moms sometimes will experience this for a little bit longer or uh, more so because, again, because they're producing hormones. But the best thing for them to do is a lot of moms will, um, you know, get a shorter haircut or, uh, you know, not really do a lot to their hair. It's not recommended for them to color or straighten or perm or do any of those chemical treatments to the hair just to give the hair a rest, just like you would give your body a rest. Yeah, you know, somehow, as as you were talking, I was thinking about the whole body image thing, that that's really... Uh, tied up with that and somehow that reminded me of a piece in your book where you talk about the joints that was a really good section could you talk to us about joints Cheryl the joints are also again uh, hormonally related they're also a little bit uh, weaker during pregnancy Um, during pregnancy some some, uh, pregnant women will say that they have been clumsier they drop things they fall easier and it's all just a part of everything is just kind of loosening up. And that usually will, will go away during the postpartum period at some point. But it's just um, their balance is a little bit off. You know, don't forget they're, they're balancing. They have a belly. They have a baby in there. And their balance will be a little bit off. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, driving and all those things, they really should just take extra care to just be a little bit extra careful it's really a time of adjustment and readjustment, would you say? Yes, and a lot yeah. of new moms are very quick to get back into the swing of things and think that they have to look and feel and act just as they did, you know, before the pregnancy, and that's really not the case. The first, um, I recommend six weeks for a vaginal birth and eight weeks for a cesarean to just lay low, take care of yourself, get to know your newborn and get as much rest and um, let your bodies heal. Cheryl, in the minute or so that we have left, could you recap what you said in the book? You made a statement about the non-pregnant body, and then you underlined it by saying, notice 
that I, the word I used was the non-pregnant body, not the pre-pregnant. Can you just summarize what you said for us uh, in the book? Yeah, uh, non-pregnancy, after a woman gives birth, their bodies are not exactly the same. Um, Their cervix is a little bit different. Their insides have changed a little bit slightly. And although some women will look fantastic after birth and get their bodies back, it does take time and they have to give themselves that. I'm not saying that their bodies are going to be changed and they're going to look different on the inside and outside. It's more of an internal thing where their bodies will change in a number of ways. Um, Some women that will notice that their genes don't really fit as well, even though they lost all the weight and then some, but that's because their hips might have changed a little bit. Um, Their organs, their muscles, their entire bone structure will have changed slightly and will not return to that pre-pregnancy state. I could um, not, not agree more. You are totally, totally on tra- on target with that. Hey, Cheryl, when we come back, I want to talk about the good stuff. I want to talk mm-hmm. about sex and the other stuff. So for, the, <laughs> for all of our listeners, don't go away. I'm going to put Cheryl right on the hot seat when we come back. Uh, don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. The new Roo Pocket is a newborn carrier specifically designed for skin to skin contact, affording mom full coverage and hands free mobility while giving and receiving all the physiological benefits of kangaroo care. Our unique fabric is super soft. Breathable, moisture wicking, and it offers just the right amount of compression fit to ensure proper position and continued support. Hospitals and NICUs are implementing the new Roo Pocket for inpatient use to increase time spent skin to skin, as well as help improve breastfeeding scores and infant safety. Learn more at newroobaby.com. That's N U R O O baby.com. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here tonight with Cheryl Zouderer, who is the author of Maternity Leave, A Mother's Guide to the First Six Weeks Postpartum. Now, Cheryl, before we went to break, I promised the audience that we'd take on the topic that some people just kind of don't want to talk about. So talk to us a little bit about the impact of breastfeeding and resumption of sex as well as vaginal births and resumption of sex and cesareans. Any of that is fair game for 
How does sex get different? <laughs> well, um, as a brand new mother with a brand new baby to take care of 24 hours, seven days a week, um, sex is sometimes the last thing on their mind. Yeah. But um, <laughs> once, <laughs> once they go to their, um, their six-week postpartum checkup and they're not bleeding anymore and if they have had an episiotomy and their stitches are healed and if they have had a cesarean section and those stitches are healed, um, they, they might be a little bit sore uh, initially, but they can resume um, their sexual relationship. And um, there are some things to, that they just need to be aware of that um, some women, especially if they are breastfeeding, will experience some vaginal dryness. So, and if they did have an episiotomy, they might experience a little bit of discomfort in that area. So it's best to just go slow, use a lot of lubricants, and um, breastfeeding moms also will uh, might leak a little bit of uh, milk from their breast during um, during sex. So some people like it, and some people feel very self conscious about it. If they are self conscious, they can wear their bra during that time. But just to be aware that that does happen. I, I want to add um, that some for some <laughs> men it's erotic. For other men, it's disgusting. So right, right, right. So it really depends depends on what you what you like and what you experience. And there's nothing wrong with, with wearing a bra for protection during that time. Sure, um, Cheryl, could you address uh, the how do I want to say the extended pain? I'm not sure what the word is, but there are women that when they deliver, I know that they've had more than an episiotomy. They've had a, a, a tear or some complication that is sort of above and beyond the generic uh, episiotomy. How long would you tell these women that they're going to have really some substantial pain? Well, most healthcare providers will try to avoid that at all costs. And um, there are some women that get, get away lucky and they don't have an episiotomy. They might have a little tear uh, in the skin area, which is called a, a first degree and if it goes on deeper, it would be considered a second degree. Third degree goes, you know, through more of the muscle. And a fourth degree, which is very, very rare, is where it goes through their rectal sphincter. And that's extremely rare, extremely painful. And that's a whole other uh, healing, um, healing time frame. But for the most part, most moms will experience a, either a vaginal tear or, or a vaginal episiotomy. And usually by six to eight weeks, they start to feel a lot more comfortable. But it does take practice like anything else. Um, The area needs to be stretched a little bit. And, um, you know, just to keep at it, if sex is painful the first time, just like I said, use a lot of lubricants. um, You know, try and get get yourselves ready and, you know, make sure the baby is sleeping so you're not distracted. And um, try and reconnect with your partner. Mm, Good word. Reconnect. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Cheryl, this will be a real good time uh, for me to ask you. Women get really confused about uh, contraceptives if they are breastfeeding. Talk to us a little bit about this. What's good? What's bad? What? Whatever. Go ahead. Well, there is one thing to consider, and that's um, they say that new mothers who are breastfeeding around the clock, um, it's a natural birth control for them. They need to be careful with that because that means that they are nursing around the clock. 
every few hours or so, and it does impede ovulations, which means that they're not going to ovulate if they are breastfeeding around the clock. However, if the baby misses a feeding or they decide to go out one evening and the baby gets milk from a bottle, sometimes that can trigger ovulation. Um, They will ovulate before they menstruate, so they won't know that they're ovulating. So there are a lot of women will can conceive during this time. So it is important to discuss it with their healthcare provider. And um, there are a lot of choices for contraception if they decide to use that. The um, birth control pill is usually not recommended if breastfeeding, but there is something called a mini pill, which is a progesterone-only pill that they can use. And there are a lot of non-hormonal contraceptive options. Condoms are always a great choice, diaphragms, caps. Uh, spermicides, IUD, and there's also natural family planning where you can use your, um, once they start mentorating a regular cycle, they can use the calendar to see when their most fertile times are. But the best thing is to speak to their healthcare provider regarding that. Cheryl, um, can you give us some yeah. examples of the mini pill? Well, there's, um, there's a few different brand names, and um, it is really just the progesterone. The only difference between, the major difference between that and a regular birth control pill would be that they need to take it at the exact time every day because it's uh-huh. not as effective as the regular pill. So, um, so they, will, they, they need to do it, take it exactly at the same time every day. So it's also called the mini pill. Um, sometimes it can d- decrease milk supply, so they need to wait at least until six weeks after delivery to start to take anything like that. So you want to establish a really good milk supply and a good, um, uh, you know, breastfeeding um, cycle before you would start any of these. Boy, I can uh, second that one loud and clear. Uh, mm-hmm. Cheryl, we get a lot of patients that have Depo-Provera. Uh, some are real eager to climb on that bandwagon. Some are really reluctant. Uh, I realize that, and for those of you who are listening, Cheryl is not here to give medical advice. She's just here to give information. But could you address the pros and the cons of the Depo a little bit? The Depo Provera is um, 99.7% effective. It um, You need an injection every three months. And uh, there's no interruption in spontaneity. You don't have to stop and take it. You don't have to remember to take a pill every day. Um, however, you do need that injection every three months. And the downside of using that is that uh, women complain of weight gain. And for yep. a new mom who's yep. trying to get her body back to the way it was, um, some women are not happy about that. Um, the other thing is that it can delay fertility up to nine months. So if they decide they want to have another baby, they have to um, they have to keep that in mind that it will you know, can delay. I have heard the weight coming. gain so much, and of course, you know I think the studies bear that out as well. But I really mm-hmm. want mothers to understand oh. that that weight gain is um, you know pretty much pretty much that's going to happen. And I also like to warn them that once that shot has happened, it's not like a pill. You can't just stop having it. Right. Uh, you get both the effectiveness, but you also get the downside for three months. Right. 
Yeah. Right. You, you can't take it out of your body once you put it in. <laughs> That's just the way it is. But, um, but I do talk about in my book that there are, um, you know, other ways to sexually satisfy each other. If a new mom is still having pain from her episiotomy and it's been, you know, a couple of months, um, there are other ways um, to, you know, to satisfy each other. And uh, they can take those things into consideration as well. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, they can, um, when they're ready, you know, waiting till, um, of course, hugging, cuddling, touching, giving each other a massage. Mm. Um, You know, there's also oral sex if they want. And, um, you know, so there are just other things that they can explore. I would agree. And by the way, I'm big on massage of some kind because I think that if the first thing it does really is to induce some relaxation. Mm-hmm. Is there any woman on the planet that doesn't need some relaxation? And right, so I exactly. think that's just um, a, a really, really critical piece there. Um, tell us how cesarean impacts on any of this that you've told us uh, about sex, uh, or anything else? I think oh, you have a whole cesarean. chapter on cesarean. I'm sorry? I think you have a whole chapter on cesarean. So could you talk yes. to us a little bit about that? Yes, and I, I have a whole chapter on cesarean because um, the cesarean rate has um, gone up quite a bit yeah. over the last um, 20 or 20, 30 years. Yeah. And um, I don't know what the, you know, the rates are different from with every state and every um, institution, but the rate is nationally in 32%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> in some states and, more. Um, mm-hmm. But it does take, it does take a good six weeks. It's they're They're not only have a new baby, but they are recuperating from, this is major abdominal surgery. Absolutely. And a lot of new mothers forget that. And, you know, after two weeks, they're already wanted drive and go out and do all these things, but they really, really need to take it easy uh, for six to eight weeks. Let their body heal. Let their stitches heal. The body might look like it's healing from the outside, but it also has to heal from the inside. Inside. Their uterus was sutured and um, their organs have been, everything has has just been um, changed. And they might be uncomfortable for the first few weeks, some women do go home on some pain medication and um, some women can have some gas pains and that's very normal after surgery. And believe it or not, a lot of these gas pains, they feel it in their shoulder because it's referred pain yes. and yes. sometimes they don't I've really know what's going on. What is, my shoulder hurt, but it's, it's yeah. usually a lot of gas that travels to that area and makes them very uncomfortable. Constipation is another... Um, effect of after having a cesarean section and it's just because of um, they do get extra iron after cesarean section because they have a higher blood loss sometimes that can constipate and also surgery can cause the bowel to become sluggish constipation can lead to hemorrhoids so it's very important for them to be on top of that eat a lot of fiber-rich food leafy greens prunes raisins lots of fluids and if they do need to take something for it to absolutely um, you know, get that from their healthcare provider. Cheryl, I always recommend walking for the gas pain, and of course, certainly walking for the constipation. Do you agree with that? 
Absolutely. Trying okay. to not, not being still, the body needs to move. Um, and just, you know, walking around their house. If, um, if it's nice out, they can certainly walk around their, their property or if they, you know, live in a city, you know, walk around the block a little bit. But walking, moving about, changing positions is, uh, is excellent. A lot of moms will also uh, be sent home with a plastic sit bath. Oh, right, and right. A, mm-hmm. Right, a little plastic tub, and that's usually good for episiotomies where you fill it with warm water, but it can also be used to, uh, to soothe some hemorrhoids and try to induce a bowel movement. Again, um, softeners, really simple laxatives, things. Yeah, walking and moving about just to get their system going. It's all excellent. Yeah, simple things, but simple things that work. Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, I'm Marie Biancuzo here with Cheryl Zouderer. We will be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash donor. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuzo or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuzo. I'm here today with Cheryl Zouderer. She is a... uh, nurse midwife, and she is also an expert in psychiatric disorders. So I'm going to lead off this segment by asking Cheryl to talk with us a little bit about postpartum mood disorders. Cheryl, as you probably know, we had one whole show with Kathleen Kendall Tackett, so I don't necessarily expect to go as deep into that, but I know that this is your area of expertise. What do you, if you, if there were only one message that you would want to give mothers who have given birth about postpartum mood disorders, what would it be? It's to uh, give themselves early recognition and early treatment is key. If they are not feeling like themselves, to go and get some help and uh, therapy. Sometimes therapy alone can help nip it in the bud or sometimes it's um, just a short, um, sometimes medication, sometimes herbal treatment. But um, my advice would be if you see any signs that you're not feeling right and you're starting to go into, uh, you know, a depressed mood or there there are just, you know, I I have a whole chapter on it, all the different signs and symptoms, and it can be portrayed in many different ways. Some women will come into my office and say, well, I'm not depressed, but I'm really anxious. So it can be, um, it can be portrayed as anxiety. 
It could be as um, compulsions. Um, Sometimes women have panic attacks. Cheryl, if they've had something, I'm thinking, for instance, a panic attack, but it could be something else, antepartum, uh, before the baby is born, are they at greater risk for having some sort of a mood disorder after birth? Some women who have a history of depression and anxiety can be at a higher risk for the postpartum period, but a lot also depends on there are other factors, again, if they have a social support network, if they oh, had uh-huh. um, a difficult pregnancy, or there's usually some type of trigger, either during the pregnancy or after or right before, either um, a death in the family or a traumatic birth or right with the pregnancy. Yes, yeah, so in other words, it's something that may not necessarily have anything to do with the pregnancy. Right, exactly. Their grandmother may have died or or some such thing. Right. Uh, right Cheryl, exactly. a, a lot of times I find that people are very confused between what I would call baby blues and uh, postpartum depression. To me, there's a world of difference. But can you help mothers who might be listening and they might be saying, oh, this is probably mm-hmm. just the baby blues. Can you help them to differentiate between what constitutes a baby blue and what is real, true, honest to God, time to ask for help here? Mm-hmm. Well, postpartum baby blues are considered a normal adjustment to new motherhood. There might be some overlap with a postpartum mood disorder, but women are typically uh, weepy and, um, you know, they'll see a sensitive commercial on television and they'll start to cry or look at their babies a certain way and start to cry. They have um, a hard time making decisions and um, this moodiness while mild depression, weepiness, sadness, this usually will resolve in a short amount of time. But if the blues last longer than two weeks or worsen and um, the new mother finds that uh, she's just um, worrying, irritable, in a bad mood all the time and lack of appetite, loss of interest in things that she used to enjoy, sleep disturbances, either sleeping too much or sleeping too little, not showering, not interested in taking care of herself or grooming herself. These are all signs that she needs to get further help. And the same thing is is with anxiety. That can also manifest in different forms, as I mentioned. But if the new mother is extremely nervous, irritable, on edge, afraid, and again, not being able to fall asleep when the baby sleeps or waking up suddenly in the middle of the night, you know, with their heart pounding or feeling very nervous, um heart racing, and also physical symptoms, nausea, diarrhea, vomiting, stomach aches, flu-like symptoms, aches and pains. So again, they should um, they should seek help. Uh, here's another reason why I think mothers don't seek help, is that they're afraid that they're breastfeeding, and therefore, if they go and ask for help for their, their thing, which, you know, really is a mood disorder, that it's going to, right off the bat, be the doctor is going to prescribe medication. Is medication right. always in, uh, indicated? Can you address that? Medication is not always indicated. In my practice, I use um, psychotherapy. And I also use a combination of vitamins and herbs and exercise and, again, support system. And if a new mother is not uh, want to take medication, absolutely, you know, respect that. And we will try other things. And if it doesn't work and they, they really are going downhill, then medication might be the right thing for them. 
but it is um it's not always Good. Uh, I know that, but I know that there's a lot of listeners that uh, probably might feel like asking for help equals having to swallow a pill, and uh, that's not necessarily the case. And if they are prescribed medications, Cheryl, would you be willing to say that there's a fair amount of medications for postpartum depression that do not need, you do not need to wean your baby if you're breastfeeding? Is that a true statement? Yes, however, that is for the new mother and her a pediatric health care provider to make that decision. Sure. Uh, there has, has not been, there are some medications that are safer than others, and um, there are some websites and some um, places that you can call where they're experts in that, and they will give you the research stats, but it really is um, up to the new mom to make that decision, but she does not have to wean. Uh, in order to take the medication. And yeah. usually, low I, I think that's the, the, the big she, message that I want to go for here is that she does not necessarily have to wean. No, she does not. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's usually um, mothers get better very quickly. It's short term. A lot of new moms are concerned that they have to take the medication for a long time or forever. And if that's not the case, usually uh, the recommend. The recommendation is six to nine months from the time that they are feeling better. Mm, and mm-hmm. we usually start low and go slow. So we start at a very low dose and increase it slowly. And when a new mom starts to feel better, then we just stay at the lowest dose possible. I see all of that as really good and reassuring news. Cheryl, can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about uh, when is your book going to be out and how will people be able to buy it? I'm hoping the book will be out within the next couple of months, and it will be available on Amazon. It will be available on the Pray Claris website, uh, which is PrayClarisPress.com, P-R-A-E-C-L-A-R-U-S-P-R-E-S-S.com, and it will be available on that website, and um, I'm not sure if it's going to be in any um, of the popular stores, but I know by those two means, they could definitely get that book, get the book that way. Okay. And for those of you who are listening and you would like to uh, have Cheryl's book, I would like to tell you that we will be featuring it on our own website. You need to go to borntobebreastfed.com and we will have that up as a feature. You can buy it then through the amazon.com by just going to our website, Make the click through, and it will bring you right to Cheryl's book, of course, when it is published, and we're just a little bit early for that. But, wow, what an hour it has been. But that's all the time that we have today. I would like to thank my special guest, Cheryl Zauderer, for being with us today. I would like to thank Mamava, that's M-A-M-A-V-A dot com, for sponsoring the show, and I'd like to thank all of you for listening to Born to be Breastfed. And I'd like to invite you all to come back next week. Please do check out our website at borntobebreastfed.com. Make sure that you read my blog while you're there. I've got a blog on uh, several things as, have, that have come up even in the last week or two. 
And if you're interested in professional continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, or if you'd like to become an IBCLC, remember, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. If you're a professional, that website is breastfeedingoutlook.com. If you're a parent, please visit us at borntobebreastfed.com. Actually, probably wherever you visit us, I'll be happy to have your visit. If We're also on Facebook. While you're there, if you could just press the thing that says, like us, hey, hey, you'd probably make my day. I'm Marie Biancuto, and I promise I will help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.